we're going to get started now. Thank you so much for coming out this morning for our policy seminar on household decision making and resilience. We're delighted to have all of you here for this discussion. Um, the issue of household decision making is something that is of interest to many researchers at IFPRI, including on uh, the best ways to measure decision making. And we have two IFPRI researchers here to discuss this topic this morning and how we're approaching this. Um, we're also joined by our partners, Mercy Corps and Save the Children. Um, and they are going to be discussing some programmatic approaches to increasing um, equitable household decision making through their work. And then we look forward to having a discussion with all of you in the room. Hopefully you have a lot of uh, other lessons that you can share with us. And we will um, start with a presentation um, from Tom Spangler. He will give some opening remarks. And then we'll move to our panel. And I would ask that all of you please save questions for the end. And we hope to save a long block of time at the end to have some discussion with all of you. Um, so Tom Spangler serves as Save the Children's Director for Resilience and Livelihoods, where he helps to coordinate research evaluation, analysis, and learning award. In his current role, he also works with colleagues to support research and learning opportunities related to resilience through Save the Children's Emergency and Development Program portfolio. And prior to this, he worked at other international NGOs, UN agencies, and the private sector to generate and apply evidence for improved effectiveness of food and livelihood security programs throughout Africa and Asia. So Tom, I'd like to invite you to come up and share your remarks with us. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. And I'd like to thank IFPRI and Mercy Corps and Elizabeth, you and, and Audrey and Sophie in particular for organizing this event today. Um, it's, it's a special honor for me to be able to offer some opening remarks here. I think uh, we would all agree that it's a very interesting and, and important topic. And I'm thrilled to see the expert panelists here today, but also the participants, because I think those of us gathered today can have a very rich conversation about some of the tools and program interventions that have been used to promote and pr uh, gender equity and provide evidence on the influence of equitable decision making for resilience. So again, I, I am really honored to be invited to speak here today. And I have a personal interest in this topic. I'm sure we all do or we wouldn't be here. But I had to ask myself, um, what's distinct about this conversation? And what might I add to it? And as Elizabeth explained in her in introduction, I help coordinate the Resilience Evaluation Analysis and Learning Award, or the REAL Award. Some of you may have heard of it, others maybe not. But the REAL Award is a five-year award issued in late 2016. It's funded and supported by the USAID Center for Resilience. And you'll find a few summary briefs I left out on the registration table describing the REAL Award. Save the Children is the prime awardee, and we're joined on the REAL Consortium by our partners Mercy Corps, Tango, and Food for the Hungry. As most of you already know, the broader development community has contributed to continual refinement of methods of data collection and analysis of resilience at multiple scales since the drought crises in 2011. This consistent and widespread effort has been aimed at promoting evidence-based policy and providing context-specific evidence to inform resilience program design and implementation. And the REAL Award is a significant step in this overall effort. It's intended to directly respond to growing demand among USAID missions, host governments, 
implementing organizations, and other key stakeholders for rigorous yet practical monitoring, evaluation, strategic analysis, and capacity building support related to resilience. Over the past, over the past year and a half, Real Partners have worked directly with the Center for Resilience to generate and disseminate a diverse range of resources. These include a wide range of analytical studies and products including large-scale resilience studies in Ethiopia, Kenya, Zimbabwe, Niger, Burkina Faso, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Mali. We've also convened a series of technical meetings focusing on the value for money of resilience investments analyzing resilience in the context of conflict and fragility, and identifying measures to determine humanitarian assistance averted. We've also coordinated on the development of a practical guidance note series on resilience measurement developed by Mercy Corps and shared via a series of webinars, the fourth of which is ongoing right now, this morning. But, as with most scientific and practical undertakings, these combined efforts illustrate the adage that the more we know, the more we realize how much we need to learn. Reflecting this reality, the Center for Resilience and Real Partners have, have recently directed increasing attention to addressing a range of emerging research priorities related to resilience analysis. Those include a multi-sector approach to resilience analysis and programming, moving beyond food security to ana analyze the role of nutrition, education, governance, WASH, and other sectors in strengthening resilience capacities. Another emerging focus area is multi-scale resilience analysis that moves beyond the typical household focus toward analyzing resilience at individual and systems levels. There's also increasing priority being placed on analysis of subjective factors influencing resilience, including social capital, social inclusion, social cohesion, equity, agency, self-efficacy and aspirations, and perceptions of marginalization. And finally, there's more attention being paid to applying resilience analysis to inform emergency programming, including strengthening M&E systems for emergency cash and safety net programming to show the contribution of timely and appropriate access to assistance for building resilience and longer-term well-being. So clearly, further learning is needed and is ongoing in each of these areas but more importantly for today's seminar we can see that women's empowerment and gender equality are common threads running throughout each of these emerging areas of resilience research and that brings me to an observation that i think underscores both the interest and importance of today's seminar and that is that the convening of discussions around gender and resilience represents the convergence of two traditionally cross-cutting issues now, those of us who have spent years working on these issues may not view them in those terms, but the fact that many practitioners still do raises the importance of providing clear evidence on how gender and resilience influence one another in different contexts. So my own involvement in this effort began through Save the Children's work on a conceptual overview for integrating gender into resilience analysis through the Real Award. And that work was itself informed by the Gender, Climate Change, and Nutrition Integration Initiative, and the Independent Gender and Resilience Working Group. Led primarily by Mercy Corps and CARE, this working group represents over 40 different organizations, 
And just last week, they released a draft version of a conceptual framework for understanding the relationship between gender and resilience and convened a multi-agency workshop to discuss how the framework might best address gender gaps in current resilience frameworks. Through the real award, Tango and Mercy Corps have continued to refine practical and adaptable tools aimed at context-specific analysis of resilience. Increasingly, these tools build on best practices related to gender analysis. One example is Tango's development of adaptable resilience modules. These are options that for collecting information on absorptive, adaptive, and transformative capacities. And the modules collect information on various types of decision making within households, including control of income, control over use of savings, and control over health and nutrition decisions. Meanwhile, I know that re researchers and implementers have continued to improve gender analysis through application of the Women's Empowerment and Agriculture Index and other innovative approaches to gender analysis aimed at informing food for peace, uh, development food security activities, and other complex development programs. But what struck me in my involvement through this and others, I'm sure, is that these efforts, in these efforts all too often we tend to remain in our familiar camps. So we have gender analysts working with gender analysts and resilience analysts doing the same with few opportunities to meet in between and apply learning from both communities of practice. And today's panel, among several other recent events and publications, signals a change by highlighting a range of interesting research opportunities for experts and practitioners in both communities. A prime example of the latest thinking and guidance is the first of a series of technical briefs produced by Mercy Corps through the Real Award. You'll find copies out, again, out on the registration desk of the technical brief on gender equity and social inclusion. And this technical brief draws on existing literature and a growing body of evidence in offering guidance on the application of a resilience lens in the context of gender inequity and social exclusion. So finally, I would just like to say amid this proliferation of research questions and equipped with a range of proven and innovative methodologies and tools, we face a risk of losing sight of our common purpose, which is contributing to meaningful and sustainable improvements in the lives of the most marginalized populations in the world. We can and should continue to collect and analyze data on multiple relationships between gender and resilience and share what we've learned by convening leading researchers at events like today's and acknowledging that these types of events are essential for continual improvement and collective knowledge sharing, we have to remember that we're accountable to frontline implementers and the people they serve. Our role then, as a community of researchers and technical advisors, is to continually inventory best practices in integrated resilience and gender analysis with an eye toward ensuring that findings are readily accessible by and applicable for those frontline users, and ultimately that they make a meaningful difference for our field colleagues and target communities. So with that, um, again, I'd like to thank you all for coming today, and I'm sure that today's panel discussion of lessons learned through GCAN, the PROWIA, and the BRIDGE program, and LAHIA is a great step in the right direction. So with that, I'd like to welcome Elizabeth back. Thank you.